I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. But this little dink ball, the only one in the crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground, and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, I've been asked to do a whole pile. Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> All right, so the good news for the All Ireland final is well, this is more good news for the club season. Um, rather than good news for the All-Ireland Final. From the 6th of September onwards, sports stadiums can return to 50% capacity. So you'd be doing well in the county grounds of any um, county in the country to be doing more than 50% of your club grounds, even for county finals, um, Aaron. So that's great news for the club scene. The All-Ireland Final doesn't affect it too much. I think there's 1,150, 82,500 capacity. So instead of 40,000, we're at 41,150. So like we're not going to, we're not going to change... Um, too much from that but look it's, it's a little bit extra at least Ok it is it's great I think we only have to look back to the hurling final um, and even the, the football semi-finals and just to hear the crowd um, even watching the minor game last weekend against Throne and and me that sort of reminded you of the good old days whenever you had that bit of an atmosphere bubbling for you know the minor games on before a senior one so definitely we're all heading in the right direction and then whenever you compare it to our All-Ireland final series uh, at the end of last year um, we're in a much better place thank God A lot of people are saying that the the, the noise they made in the All-Ireland clo- the All-Ireland hurling final was piped in that the, the microphones were turned up in Crow Park I can't confirm or deny that I'm not too sure but it was, it was mind-blowing um, how loud it was Larry McCarthy Brendan was talking on Morning Ireland this morning and he was saying in 2019 each county participating in the final got 13,500 tickets um, and Mayo and Tyrone for this final are getting 11,450 tickets. Not that much of a difference. It's outrageous. 13,500 in a, in, a, yeah. in a stadium, I suppose, when all the other counties get sorted, the overseas county boards, the sponsors, all that. Like, I mean, 
it's every other county and every other club in the country that you go to your club and get your raffle and get your all earning tickets. They're they're the ones getting screwed, I suppose. Mayo and Tyrone, although a lot of those tickets, I presume, will filter back to the counties participating as well. Yeah, I couldn't care less about them, Molly. I, I think that's ridiculous. You know, um, listen, the counties is on it. The people that support the teams, it's their day. I, yeah. I can never get my head around the amount of tickets. Funny, actually, can I help with um, Armagh this year in that first league game back when there was 500 fans? And the real fans at Armagh crowd there, I'm sure you were at the game, they made some noise. It was unreal. But I think that's what you're probably getting back is that the fans that are there are, are unbelievably passionate and, and they're the real supporters. And just go back to 92, you know, the morning of 92, my uncle, he's in Clon Tavert, Michael Dowd, God rest him, he gave me the ticket. I'll never forget what he said to me. He said, this will mean so much more to you than me. He was a Galway man that had, that had ended up in Monaghan. You know, whenever we get the tickets in as GA players, the two tickets a year, every year, I, I only went to one final in all my time because if anybody asked for the tickets from the county, I gave them over because of that gesture uh, of my uncle. And right now, listen, 92, what a day. And I know you're at small numbers here, Willie, but even that extra 1100, you can imagine, the, uh, particularly obviously the team that wins it, what a special day that will mean to them, you know, individually. So brilliant to see. No, it, it definitely is. And I accept the 13,500 or the 11,450. We won't talk about the 11,000 because it's a unique year. I accept that's too low. But at the same time, Aaron, how do you inspire young children from all over the country is going to an All-Ireland final? Like, I mean, I do accept maybe, I don't know, increase it to 20, but you do want every county getting a share. So every child, because then if that was the case, Kerry and Dublin are predominantly in every final. So it's just the children in those counties will experience that, you know, that day. Yeah, funny, Brendan's talking about 92 there. Um, Air Minor team went in a great run that year. You would have had Paul McGray and Jamer Myers and those boys, but um, we would have been at every game that year as well. And Mead beat them, no? Mead beat them last, last kick of the game. Never forget it. But uh, we couldn't get tickets, obviously, for that final, but uh, Dad was up with a few of the mates and that there for the sevens and phoned home on the Sunday morning and uh, Mum just says, Joe, these boys, you make a ticket somewhere, they're going to this final, they're going mad at home. So anyway, he had a few contacts around Croke Park and said, you have to be there for 11 o'clock and we were wheeled in. Do you remember there used to be concrete steps to the to the front of the Hogan stand right in where the, the cups were being presented um, and someone managed to, to squeeze us in. But again, you said, that's the memories we have. Like, I'll never forget that day. Obviously, it was devastating Armagh losing um, the minor whenever you're only a child, but to be there for Donegal winning and the atmosphere that there was, you know, that's what, that's what gets everybody to you want to be involved in, in, in GAA but on, another quick note the 2002 semi-final Dublin and Armagh was way better atmosphere than the final because there was there was way more Armagh supporters added like I'll never forget the hair was standing in the back of my neck for the final 10 minutes everybody was standing up on the ground chanting yeah. the Armagh chant and everyone got behind it where the final if you look back now it was just a bit more of a damn script there was nowhere near the same atmosphere because it, w- it was mixed so much with neutral so it, it depends it's a bit like Brandon was saying you want to have as many of your own people there yeah. um, but I do understand and it has massive consequences for the rest of the country that you do give them access to, to all Ireland final day as well also yeah. we, we'll, uh, we, OK we'll agree to 13,500 it's maybe 2020 and then split the rest or something like that it seems like a, a better one what about this development Brendan uh, Tomas O'Shea has gone to 
um, be the coach of the Offaly senior football team. John Mohan is delighted. I'm personally thrilled. He said, I'm not too sure if he'd be too thrilled next year when Tomas replaces him as manager. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like one of those situations where you bring in somebody under you and you're like, here, you need to start watching over your shoulder a little bit here. But like, I mean, it's a great, it's a great move for Offaly. Division 2 team now. You know, Tomas O'Shea is a huge name and it's a, it's a very big appointment for them. Yeah, it's like the Kerry, uh, the Kerry crew now are just taking over football, aren't they? Buckley <laughs> yeah. up to Monaghan and then Donaghy up there, man. Everybody wants the Kerry boys, you know? Uh, yeah, listen, everything, something happens in Offaly now, I just think of Lowry, and something happens in Limerick, I think of McManus, and you think of who's in the background here, but no. In terms of a football news story, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, I think Tomas, you know, is, is so well got. Uh, there's no doubt in he'll, he'll have a massive impact, and... and Mohan, you know, going back to what, uh, 91 with Clare, you know, 30 years on the go, and here he is still, you know, doing his thing. And you think the changes of football, well, there's not many boys can survive that long, particularly in the yeah. last 30 years. I mean, 20 years that the changes have been unbelievable. But certainly, you think of the wee elements, you're always looking for the change, particularly, you know, after a year or two years, something that'll come in for a different voice. And that's why I think the likes of uh, McGinney pulled in the likes of Donaghy. Same same way here, and and, and with Tomas there, you know, obviously a lot of people start lining him up for, for bigger and better things if he wants to go down that road. I think, well, as I was chatting to you about the, it's funny, you two Ulster men on here now after the Sunday game with none of them. You know, the whole country is just focused on, uh, sometimes that's the only G- TV analysis show, and uh, when they see people coming across, well, look, that's a massive part of it. You know, if somebody looks like they can lead a game and are tactically right, I suppose they've got the a bit of the uh, of the pedigree straight away. I mean, there's no doubt from his playing days he had it. So, yeah, massive boost to boost to off league in the division two. Well, well, that's the thing. When I always think of Tomas O'Shea, massively respected in the game, a very sound fella yeah. who is used to dressing rooms and players will like. That's a huge thing in a coach, and seems to know his stuff football wise as well. So, like, I mean, for me, and it's a great job for him, Aaron. Like, let's be honest, he sees this probably. He's been over a minor team. He's over an intermediate team in Cork. This is a division two team. He's working under a legendary manager. Let's be honest. Mahan is GEA kind of, you know, he's in that Joe Kernan, you know, class. He doesn't have a senior All-Ireland, but he won a Munster with Clare and then got to those finals with Mayo and he's been around so long. It's wonderful experience for Tomas. Absolutely. And I, I think it is something maybe similar that Kieran Donaghy is doing with Armagh, that he sees an opportunity for him to work with someone like McGinney, but work with a team who are operating at a really high level. Um, I think they're all looking to build for a bigger day maybe where they, they'll uh, they'll be able to take on a bigger role themselves further down the lane but I think they're going the right way about it because they're learning I suppose the, the coaching and that there that, that goes along with it granted they've all played at a high level and been hugely successful but in terms of, of managing or coaching teams um, it does take a bit of time to, to, to build up that I suppose wealth of knowledge you know not everyone just adapts from being a successful footballer to being a great manager um, but I think in terms of what he learned from John Mohan and an exciting new team I think he'd be brilliant for them and I've read Michael Dagen and I've read John Mohan they're really excited about it the players are um, and I think Tomás's uh, his personality I think will be brilliant for them because there's that bit of a rogue in him as well like you know he, he, he enjoyed himself as a player he was successful he was dedicated he, he did everything that had to be done but I think his personality would be infectious within that group and particularly those young boys coming through who better to entice them to make sure that they do bridge the gap because you can lose players you know from successful underage teams to becoming good 
top quality senior inter-county uh, footballers and I think he's a perfect man to come in and try and help blend that there along with the, the great work that has gone for a few years beforehand Yeah, no exactly like I mean I'm surprised Leash didn't go in for him I was thinking this yesterday like I mean we've tried John Sugro and Mike Quirk young Kerry managers with not much experience we've tried a middle-aged Kerry manager Liam Kearns with a bit of experience and we have tried older Kerry managers like Tommaso Flattertown Mikko with loads of experience like we've had five Kerry managers in the last five years we're trying to chase that Mikko high uh, Brendan I'll throw that to you there and we just can't we can't rediscover it (laughs) you're never going to get away from this Mikko story uh, (laughs) popping up every every show there's something pops up about the legend that is Mikko that's driving straight in New York and then for Sporting but you know geographically I suppose is, is a big part to do with this when you think about where you know, where can players come from that counties maybe don't have? I mean, let's say Donegal, for example, obviously doesn't want a draw manager or vice versa. They can help it or, or you know, they don't want to go into that. So where, where do you go? You know, often, I suppose, in terms of where, where, a Kerry manager going or going to lease, it's probably in that realm where if he's travelling from a certain part of Kerry, it just about does it. I mean, when you think of Rochford coming up to Donegal, massive commitment, but who can Donegal pull in that has that bit of experience, you know? I don't know what Buckley does in terms of getting Monaghan. I know Donahue might work in Dublin a couple of days. Um, sorry if the Armagh Treasurer is listening in here and he's putting down Tralee, but <laughs> he's, he's nice wheels anyway to take him up and down the road. Well, I'll tell you that. But a lot of that has got to do with it, how, how that fits in terms of... Um, where we live, where we live in the country. Remember, they used to. Yeah. Well, uh, look, we listen. Well, used to fly up uh, uh, Paddy O'Shea in the helicopter. Did that happen back in the West Weed days? We'll put it this way: if the price is right, the Kerry boys will travel. Like, I mean, I think that's. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, the, well, the only thing I would say about Kieran is, like, I, I assumed maybe he would come in to coach one day a week, but he's he's there full time. Like, and that. That takes huge commitment if you're working and you have a young family and, and you're staying away. Um, you know, and granted, he might be just travelling back to Dublin the next day, but to come up and give that time and effort to Armagh, a county that he has absolutely no allegiance to whatsoever, I think that, obviously his personality again is top class, but I think it, it gets a severe buy-in from the players as well because they're saying, well, if this boy's willing to come up and help and coach us, well, then we need to be taking all from him that we possibly can. So um, for him to, to give that level of commitment, it's absolutely massive. No, it's Definitely is. So some people were tipping him to replace Peter Keane. We don't know what Peter Keane um, is doing. I'll throw this one to you, Aaron. Does he deserve another year? I saw Darrow Shea in the Irish Times saying that the players, nobody, the one thing nobody can say is that the players didn't play for him. There's no talk of trouble in the camp or anything like that. He's there three years and the squad absolutely believe in him and what he's tried to do. That's not always guaranteed. I would make the point that the players wanted to redeem themselves from the Cork loss. Like, I don't, you know, you could make that argument as well. But I do take Dara's point because nobody was really, nobody was making a case for Peter Keane. Everybody was kind of making a case, you know, for him to leave. Yeah, like, there's, there's no doubt and he is under pressure. Um, I think the, the, the underage success that was building, I think everyone maybe felt at this stage that they would have delivered at least one All-Ireland. Um, and ultimately, the buck always stops with the managers. Um I completely get what Dara is saying there. Obviously, there was the rumours last year that there was a bit, bit of discontent in terms of the tactics and that there. Um, there was played against Cork in, in the Munster Championship. Um, you didn't see anything in terms of is there any players who are spitting a dummy out here or aren't happy with how things are going. Um, Sunday, like you would think maybe a time some quarters here, Kerry were bet by 10 points. Do you know, yeah. the way the narrative has been, like they could well have snuck a draw and got to, uh, got to penalties even conceding three bad goals. 
you know, um, there wasn't a huge amount in it, but tactically there was issues that we were surprised about, stuff that we thought they're not going to make the same mistakes that were done maybe 10, 15 years ago and they did crop up again. Um, So that then brings a bit of pressure because there's no county who self-scrutinise like Kerry um, and who demand success like Kerry. So from that perspective, I think he will be under pressure, but who's going to line up to replace him? You know, there's not a world of, of ideal candidates jumping out as far as I would be concerned. Yeah. Unless it's say, unless Simon Fitzmaurice, I say the killing part for Kerry is that you're looking at the game and you're thinking of 2008, where Kerry, you know, running down blind alleys and playing into Tyrone's hands and getting turned over, and you're fast forwarding 13 years, Brendan, and with everything we've learned about the game since, a Kerry are getting caught like that. Like, I mean, that'll be killing them. Yeah, well, you know, you look at some of the defenders, you know, I suppose we couldn't blame Ryan for the goal, you know, Bugliard did all right, you know, Solomon played well, you know, even White, Murphy, I thought he did all right. Well, it was other in the pitch, you know, O'Brien and, and Moynihan, Keeney, you know, even Potty Clifford from the season he had, you know, there was just so many performances there which you, you thought just weren't, you weren't good enough at all. And listen, Aaron's 100% right. You know, talk about history being written by the victors. This could have just went e- either way. I mean, the three goals, the five points down without without Clifford in the extra time, still coming back. That took a lot of guts yeah. to do that there. But it was as if everything's wrong in Kerry, and there's this big backlash against uh, Keane. And I just felt that we just overcooked it. How many times we see league formally not being replicated in championship? How many times? And everybody listening to this doesn't matter if you played at any level of Gaelic. You hammer a team earlier in the year in the league, and then you play in the championship. It is always, I don't know how many times this has happened, Billy, where you get such a false sense of, of the two teams. And really, particularly with the build-up, I think, into the league, because so many teams weren't, maybe other teams maybe were ahead of teams, if we didn't know training, who was training what. I'm not saying people were doing things wrong, but I'm just saying that certain teams might have come in at a better better step. Then, of course, Kerry, Kerry walking through Monster and that. And, you know, you can make what you want of the five weeks. I know people are saying... It was only a two-week delay, but that was on top of the three weeks they were waiting. Were they a small bit cold? There's so many question marks there, really, but really nothing in it. And, and I just felt some of the attacks on, on Kerry were, were a bit OTT in terms of a drawn game and, and losing by a point. Kerry are always going to be like that. And Conan Doherty in The Independent was making the point that they need to lower their expectations. And he said in the seven seasons since Kerry last won the All-Ireland, they've been beaten in the championship by five different teams, Dublin, Mayo, Galway, Cork and Tyrone. Um, they've actually lost to all five of them in the last five seasons alone. And I, I suppose I do take his point and I understand his point completely. I guess drawing with the arguably the best team that's ever played the game and should have beaten them, that's where the expectations come from. Because I take his point, if that game hadn't happened, you'd be saying, give them a minute, you know, this isn't the end of the world. That's the one that's making them think that this, that, you know, this All-Ireland has to happen because they almost they should have had it that day. Did and to be honest with you, I think the day Kerry are lower under expectations that they're going to be all Ireland champions. Well, there should be no football in Kerry. Do you know the tradition and the history that That's comes the down blood. there, and it is the sport that you're you want respect in Kerry you win all Ireland's. That's where you're judged with the greats and that's the way it always will be. Um, they're never going to lower their expectations and nor, nor would I expect them to do otherwise. But you're right, the 19 final is the op- was their opportunity for this team to to start, I suppose, their journey, their run um, of picking up medals. Uh, and it is one that got away from them and one that they'll probably ultimately always regret because... Um, it was their opportunity to stop the five in a row that their great team couldn't do themselves. Um, but 
I do I do think that all Ireland's will come do you know whether it's, it, whether like, it's next year can, or whatever can, can a desperation come about them then do you know what springs to my mind Rory McIlroy in the Masters do you know what I mean now, it's, now it becomes a psychological bloody problem it, it, it does but I just think there's always that bit of cockiness or confidence within a Kerry player um, that I think they will they have enough and they have enough quality to see it through and, yeah. and to get over the lane like, like Brendan said five points down and next to him had Clifford stayed on that field would he been the difference that they would have just got across the lane? Do you know, it went extra time. Um, do you know, in terms of the scene boys going down with cramp and didn't have the same energy or whatever about them. It's not often your games go to extra time. Do you know, so they will see themselves as still having the quality, still having the ability to see it out in seventy minutes against anybody, any opposition. Um, but I don't think, think it's I, I, just just <clears throat> we talk about the Ulster thing here a few times. I know the way if, if it was if it was the quarterfinals or, or super eights that the Ulster teams were at a serious disadvantage. I would put Throne at a serious advantage this year and in the way it's been knocked out. They had a couple of real tight games, they had, they had a real tough tussle with Monaghan. Obviously they got the better of Donegal, but that Monaghan game, I think, pre Co Park, you know, a few weeks before that Kerry game, surely it put them in a much better position to the Ulster. Thing probably benefited through this year going into play Kerry. And, and another thing is too that see what the best will in the world and I know they played them in 19 but the intensity that a Tyrone team comes like even Ulster club football you know I know the difference that there is like you, you can talk about it and you can prep and you can do all the running through stuff situations in your head of what's going to happen here uh it's totally different once you come up against it and that's an Ulster man telling you that you against know, Tyrone just, yeah just the intensity that that they come with um, so for those Kerry boys who have absolutely no baggage with them don't know them you know they're only hearing stories about this is what happened way back in yeah. 2000s or whatever it just comes at them like a train you know last week and they just I, I don't know what they're talking I'm fairly certain that they could have been told stop running into tackles you know don't be carrying in the blind hands they had to be told that there yeah. um, so did they just get knocked off Kilter on the day and they lose focus Do you know what happened they played Clare who dropped a lot of bodies back but aren't at the intensity levels Tipperary played a double sweeper and they got them at threes Cork were blown away the level of intensity like they weren't prepared for that level of intensity even though I'm sure they would have talked about they will get some bodies back and then they'll think well we've worked through that yeah well, you haven't worked through Tyrone doing it, I suppose, is it? And that, yeah. that's massive. So you can talk all you want about it. You can show videos. You can look over whatever footage you want. It's totally different than whenever you're put in that there situation and that heat comes on you in person. Yeah. The mentality monsters. Steve MacDonald called them in, in the Irish news, Brendan. Like, I mean, that's a nice way of putting, like, I don't know what it is about Tyrone or what, how they can bring that ferocious level of intensity. But you'd say they're out on their own in that regard. Yeah, they, listen, the football nuts, um, sure, Aaron will tell you all about Listen, I travel over the country with my job, particularly with Ulster. And funny, the two teams in the final, I, I think the two counties have, have a real similarity in that. They were absolutely football mad. Uh, you, I mean, you take different parts here of, of say, of Aaron's county, of, of Donegal and, say, Derry beside us. There's serious, serious pockets of football and there's serious parts of football. But it's not everywhere. It just feels like every town I call in, because every town is a wee hardware merchant. I'll be in there somewhere, and it's football. That's all everybody. Football, football, football. It came through the club championship. I, I couldn't say for the rest of the country. I could only know Ulster. It was absolutely phenomenal last year in terms of each each t- side going at each other. And I think that's coming through now in, in, in Logan and Doher. They've obviously, that togetherness, you think of players coming in this season, particularly like, I say, Chairman McCann and Petey Hart and Slug and these boys, 
Um, um, they just weren't they weren't playing well at all. You know, and I, I was looking around saying, what what is wrong with these guys? Like Matty Donnelly as well, McCurry. Like that first game, we, we were covering it there up against Cavan, and I hear Matt Curry is. This was a huge season for him because there's no doubt Nalad has some talent. He's been in and out. It's never happened for him in championship. And look at the season he's having. And that you have to put all that down to uh, Logan and Duhill. I mean, Myler's performance the last day. I've never seen the lad play like that in my life. One of the games he's lived, McGeary. So some of the performances that from players that just didn't seem to be doing it that has elevated so high. And you know, I've been saying for years, the throne squad is by far the depth as the depth in Ulster. They just weren't getting it right in the pitch. That's why Donegal had a bit of a, an Indian sign over them. Um, you know, that's obviously been cut apart this year. And if you if you match the Tyrone squad to anybody's in Ulster now, uh, this run has really put them put them well up there in the head. And they, they, they've now become, from the start of the season, just a completely different animal. I think they, they almost Logan and Doher are flying under the radar in that you see when... Donny Gall won the All Ireland is all about Jim McGuinness. There was songs about him, like Jim Gavin hailed as a you know mastermind. Even James Horan gets huge credit for the transition and you know believing in the team and getting them through. I'm not sure what Logan and Doer. I don't see them getting the same adulation and you know as but, and I work in G. I'm reading around. You just don't see that same kind of. Well, they're know, understated. Aren't Dad they? would have got the same with Armad, you know. And you yeah, know, really, it is. Yeah. It's all about. The, the players are wanting to go out to deliver but there was there was huge hype about management yeah. uh, and it's always the same with Mickey Hart but the two boys just seem to be so mellow you know so flat tone it doesn't seem to be any hullabaloo about them whatsoever um, but they're serious throne men like, they're and, and, secret and, and, assassins in, yeah in exactly like, uh, I've, I've heard a few things you know, that Logan maybe he's the He's trying to pacify and he'll try and keep everyone right where Doher is probably a bit like he was as a player. You know, yeah. he's serious, he means business no, so and very, very to the point. Logan like, would break up a fight and yeah. Doher would get into the, yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> You're, <laughs> you want to break up with your woman, you'll call Doher. If you want to get her back, you'll ring Logan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what do you, what's your take on the, the two boys, uh, Brenda? They're, they're a strange couple. Oh, no, called it right there. Listen, I, I, I was talking to Logan last night, funny enough, we're good chatting him on the phone there. He's, he's top fella. Uh, the script there uh, with a boy up in uh, Strabane one time. I, I, I could have been in the handcuffs, but uh, the big dog Logan wheeled in. I'll tell you what, you would have seen whatever, but the, the, I've never seen him in the dressing room. Obviously, but see in the courtroom, he landed in. Hey, I was looking a wee bit of baller, and next thing, all was sorted, you know. So, uh, listen, I'll always be in his debt. So, he rang up last night, so he's in Downing's a lot in that, and he, he's, he's an absolute gent. And, um, you know, that loud nonsense we're in the background there. Listen, that's not his style or, or do her style. You know, all this crap about the lads and the issues and was hanging over him. You can tell from the way he's straight down the barrel. He treats everything very seriously, very honest. I, I think he's one of those guys. I think what he's doing, unlike in the heart there, he's let the players kind of be in charge of the team. He's probably involved them in the tactics and, and has asked them to stand up and, and be the men and, and let them take control of the situations. And you can see a massive togetherness. And there's a couple of things I've seen McCurry done this year, for example, where a couple of years ago he would have taken on an awkward shot early in the game. You can just see him dovetail back and wait and wait. And even the last day of Sullivan was getting the better of him. Late on in the game, when it matters, he comes in the loop for a couple of kicks. And all those wee small things are, are, are the difference, you know. Uh, so listen, fair play them. They deserve the, the, what they've got us so far. And, and in the first year, I mean, you talk about O'Shea in terms of experience. I mean, don't Logan Dura had no experience to, to get that job. I mean, they won under twenty one. Sure, they won all Ireland, fair enough, but they hadn't managed it at a senior level. So 
there were some question marks about that, particularly after the hammer and the iron, I'll tell you, there was a lot of question marks around these two guys and what they're at. And uh, now look at that, it's all out of the final. So listen, the, the, the two guys, I think, you got to say fair play them. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, they refused to answer any COVID or vaccination questions at their media day. What, what do you make of that, Aaron? Like, I mean, go on, you, could, you can... Well, my point of view was it's been well talked about at this stage and everyone sort of knows, you know, roughly what went on. I know people want to know exactly numbers, who to wear, you know. It's none of our business whenever it comes to people's health. Yeah. But I suppose in terms of what we spoke about in the show last week or a couple of weeks ago, it's all about the All-Iron Final. It's all about g- generating interest, positivity, building up a hype. So what happened in terms of a negative spin regarding, regarding COVID, I've no interest in that at this stage. I want to see how they've recovered, how they're moving, have they got a full squad back, what way are things, you know. And I think that's, that's all anyone wants to hear over the next couple of weeks in terms of building hype to the biggest game of these boys' careers and the biggest game of Gaelic football that is going to be this year. So from that perspective, um, it's probably unusual that a manager will come out in Gaelic games and say, we're just not going to speak about this, so just park it and move on. Yeah. But I, I don't don't really have an issue with it at all because I just want to see what way things are going within their camp from a positive perspective or in terms of maybe changes in personnel or whatever that they have with boys coming back. Yeah, they, like, I mean, they, they, there seems to be such an appetite in society now for who took a vaccine and who didn't. Like, it's nobody's business. And I would hate for the All-Ireland to be you know, overshadowed by people demanding to know it's her own player's own own personal business or even the COVID situation. I'm done with it. I'm not saying, Brendan, that Tyrone don't have questions to answer maybe in two weeks' time because if I was to interview, you know, Fergal or Brian, you, you might try to corner them on one or two questions that you'd have. But I don't want the next two weeks all about that. We did it. It, it dominated the build-up to the Kerry game. This is the All-Ireland final. There's a time and place. I think, they did, I think they did exactly the right thing. And they did it in a very mannerly way as well, Logan did. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it was very sober last night. As I say, at a chat before going, obviously it was just a personal chat between myself and himself. But, you know, how he was treating that, well, he, is, he was talking about, the, 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 obviously, the deaths that came with COVID and the people that he knows in the area. So he was more than saying, you think, you know, that, that we would ever mess about with something like this. There's not a chance. And, you know, it, it, just because there's so much nonsense out there, you start to think, well, is there something to that? And then when you talk to, to him and he completely knocks, you know, he talks about that other side, about the serious side of, of, of what that is, you completely realise that it's such a, it's a non-starter uh, as, as a story. So, yeah. I agree with Harness, move on, play the football. Yeah, exactly. Come here, were you, were you two shouting for Tyrone? I uh, meant to ask you, there's a huge tradition. <laughs> I don't know if this tradition is gone now, but definitely in the 90s that I strongly remember it was the idea that all of Ulster, it didn't matter who came out, you all rode, the minute you got down to Crow Park, you all rode in behind each other. Now, has our man Tyrone rivalry in the noughties scuppered that or the Donegal, our ma rivalry, all these things, does that still happen? Or was that a thing that kind of stemmed from the 70s, 80s when Ulster teams wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have always done too well in Crow Park? Yeah, well, obviously I was, I was only in my childhood whenever Ulster started to dominate uh, 91, 2, 3, 4 and then Tyrone in 95 and absolutely Every year you would have been following whoever won the Ulster Championship. You've been looking tickets, trying to get the games with Dad and that there. But it did, I think. And I think whenever we look back now in 2000s, like, I think we all went over the top in terms of creating a hatred to, towards each other. Like, and it was, it was very unhealthy. Um, you could feel it as a player, even whenever you're on the field during those times. Um, and even as a, as a supporter, um, even before I joined the panel, like, there just was a, it was an over the top rivalry. 
Have we mellowed? We probably have mellowed a bit. I don't think we're. I don't You're think not, we're just back there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I can't guarantee you that we're back there yet. But it's yeah, it's, it's not as bad as as a, what it would have been. I suppose that's easy for me to say because I'm South Armagh, so I'm I'm the other side of the county. But I think if you're talking to the boys up around Mahri, up around the Loch Shore or or the borders of um, in with the Mai, it might be a different story. So so you shout for Kerry, you just don't all wear Kerry jerseys. You're <laughs> yeah. kind of mellowing out a little bit. You just don't want to carry flags up outside the house. <laughs> what about you, Brendan? Are you still on this? We're all in it together in Ulster in Crow Park thing. Yeah, I'm a real, I'm a real lover now. Funny Aaron saying there about the our math flags. We were supporting the, the miners, of course, pre that game. I always remember '92. You could see the our math flags in the round after, and and God, and look what happened then after. But to them, our math boys, so they wouldn't even swap jerseys. We didn't all in, boy. They became really, uh, they were really driving us for the golf boys. It was the car. It was always the story. It was the Armagh footballers and the Cork hurlers. They all like when they'd go on all star tours, they'd be in doing the weights, and it, I think they built up this yeah, kind right. of mystique about them, Aaron. Whether it was a psychological thing or whether it was just pure dedicated kind of fellas. But the Cork hurlers and Armagh footballers, we used to joke, uh, Brendan, about them winning the All Ireland and going to the gym that night after <laughs> after having won it. But like, I mean, you know, that was the perception out there, Aaron, wasn't it? It probably was a narrative, and and I think maybe that's. <sighs> in a way it might have been the downfall that it just becomes such an obsession that like I think the crack that that Tyrone team had like do you know I mind we beat them in the Ulster final replay in 05 and I can remember we went back to the Carrickdale and there was a lot of boys didn't drink and a lot of boys like taking it very serious and let's get home and let's get focused on the next game and then I remember reading that like three Tyrone players come home in the bus the whole lot of them went in the beer in Dublin yeah. and they were playing Monaghan in the qualifiers the following Saturday back in Croke Park and look what happened then you know, Tyrone so and Kerry celebrated they definitely didn't go that you know over the top uh, and I, I would have to say if I look back now it was too serious I, 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 I probably didn't celebrate the way no, I'm not saying I would have went mad. I'm far from a party animal, yeah. but I, I think sometimes it was just right. We've won that. Let's see what we can go again. Let's see who can push the bar a bit here. And granted, not everyone in your panel wants to go out and celebrate, let off a bit of steam. But I suppose that Armagh team, you had so many different personalities, like Stevie and McConville and those boys, or say the McEntees weren't drinkers, or Francie was never going to go too mad, or McGray and Marsden. But I'm sure there's other boys that would have liked to have let off a bit of steam and, and maybe just didn't. Um, and I think maybe the longer you stay in that intense bubble you know the more claustrophobic it can become yeah maybe maybe that's uh... we, we, we see the way you know, you non-drinkers here uh, are we had the opposite <laughs> we had like about eight absolute headers that pulled everybody else with them and, you know funny I always remember actually sitting in, we were in a we were in a bar in 2001 actually McGinney was on tour with us and John O'Keefe was one of the selectors and Keane was me and him the three of us were sitting at a table and we were having a pint just we were kind of getting coming round from the day before getting a breakfast and Kieran was just quizzing, quizzing, quizzing John O'Keefe. What's this? What's this training? What's this? And I was going, this man's absolutely demented, but he was just fanatical. He wanted to know everything. What is that? What was this? What was that? I remember going, wow, oh, you imagine any Donny boys paying any heat to that? They just want to see where the next round was coming from. <laughs> Yeah, no, but there's no doubt he's an intense, uh, he's definitely an intense character, uh, McGinney. But that's interesting to know that maybe they went a little bit, because the one thing I do remember, you haven't talked to Muggsy or any of them, like they were not on in any way drink bands or they celebrated everything that they won and celebrated after a match. They were almost old school that way. Yeah. And it's in, very interesting how much they won. It didn't do them any harm. It didn't do them any harm at all. Yeah. Absolutely. If anything, it brought them closer together and improves Muggsy's stories too, when <laughs> if you have a pint with them. Um, come here, lads, this is another interesting one. Special Congress is on September the 18th and I, John Fogarty had a piece in the Examiner and 
God, like special congress has been mooted all this year and weren't really sure when it was going to be. The fact the All-Ireland's been put back now. So it's going to be a week after the All-Ireland. The All-Ireland's obviously going to have review and there's going to be a lot of talk about it. So it's basically going to go under the radar. This is an incredibly important special congress because there's two new championship restructures that are up for vote on that day. And we're going to have no coverage. We're going to have no kind of pressure, no lobbying, nothing. It's just going to go under the radar. Unfortunately, there's a third option, and that is to stay what, at what we're doing, which is the Super 8s and the Provincials and all that lopsided. I'm very concerned about this. John Fogarty has got some figures in the examiner. He says the Provincial, from, he got them from Provin- the FRC Football Review Committee, who came up with these proposals, have done kind of roadshows and, you know, to gauge opinion. And they have, um, they have re- the, they've outlined the recommendations. Um, so they, they got some, some feedback and the feedback they're getting shows just 15% endorsed the league-based All-Ireland Championship, which is the one I'm strongly pushing, which is the one that um, I've been going on about for years, where you've played a league as the championship and you play seven games against a team your own level and the four divisions feed into an All-Ireland quarterfinal. So everyone has a chance to Sam. And 47% show support for provincial championships but four eights where counties have to move provinces and I don't see how that would get any support but these have to get 60% Aaron to get through and on those early figures while everyone's distracted with the All-Ireland final I'm starting to panic here now and then like we've tried to change so are we super eights for the next feckin' 10 years? Yeah, like, say the last one you're talking about where you're looking to move counties to different provinces to level them up I just can't see that running whatsoever yeah, me neither you can try and put whatever pressure you want on I don't know who they're going to pick out of Ulster there's obviously going to be someone in West Ulster which is Brendan's Donegal or Fermanagh maybe the most logical ones because they're closest to Connacht yeah Who's going to force them out? Like, are they going to go? Are they going to get the, you know, enough support to send them across? I can't see it. Genuinely, can't see it. Um, everyone wants change, so they're not happy with what we have at the minute. But then you're saying the least uh, opinion or the least support is the other alternative. Yeah. Then, which is swapping your your leagues to be in your championship and your your provincial championships to your earlier season competitions. Um, and nobody wants to support that, and yet everybody wants change. Yeah, or so to say. Isn't it terribly depressing, Brendan, when you think about it, that the players want change. The GPA has said that 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 is like one thing that everybody is in agreement with, except probably these delegates that are going to be voting on this. Like, I mean, it really is. Let's call it, you know, a democratic kind of system. It's not in any way. It's it's not. It's just it's it's desperate. I suppose what would you have? Who's voting on this versus? The people that maybe want the that in effect, yeah. Uh, that's the whole problem. So you have delegates up there, and you know how slow everything's going to be to move when it comes to such things and provincials and history and everyone. I think a lot of the counties, well, just outside of the top few, are very afraid of of getting left behind. And then even counties from down the lower leagues think that they can put something together. I mean, look at Offaly now up in the Division Two, Derry back up. So there's a lot of counties thinking that, I think even before they look at the proposal, they think, no, we're going to get frozen out, or we're going to get left behind, or it's, the tears is going to uh, put them out of uh, um, reckoning for, for build-up. But see, what your thing is, uh, well, that will always, you know, if you get your house together, you still have a chance. I don't understand why, well, they, they, a decent proposal, like you said there, in a the league format, that, that gives everybody still a chance, that can, that can ha- be given a year, given one year even to see, um, how it kind of pans out, or two years, 
just to see where the change is because yeah there's a huge clamber for for something different and i'm sure after Kerry, as we spoke about earlier they certainly would like a different uh pathway to the semi-final in the one they have yeah. this year but even like say for instance if you even up the numbers that is in Munster so you put a team from South Leinster into Munster how does that help Waterford Clare Limerick Tipperary yeah. to be consistently competing for titles still it, hammering it's, 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 it's not yeah. changing things any like no. where you said if you flip it and you're playing your league football where it's more based on teams who are your level where you're guaranteed seven games against them like if you can't come out of a division whenever you can be told the seven games you're going to play and you're not good enough to prepare and beat them. Well, do you know, I can't see you winning the All-Ireland then until you sort that. Once you sort that, then you're up into the next level um, yeah. and, and you've built a bit of confidence and morale's at a hay and interest within your county is at a hay and then everything grows in that regard. Yeah, no, that's the truth. Like, I mean, it, it's... Uh, there's, like, probably, there's probably a small problem with that in terms of, I think, just maybe where the, already where the league is in terms of the top, say, seven teams, for example, that they've now that bit far ahead that everybody comes up, you know, outside of... Every every other year, there's a squeeze where Mayo went down last year. And then this year, you've got, you've got a, a, a time when a couple of teams will go up and there'll be a, there'll be a squeeze next year of, of what was the top seven. And I know Armar back in the mix now. Uh, that's, that's one of the differences, I think. But if you looked at the last few years, particularly even the likes of... Because we're always looking at Division 1, but Ross Common and... Cabin, the way they you kind of four years back to back, and Meath now are trying to join it, and, and obviously Kildare, for them to be able to come up and stabilise, it looks like already there's a huge difference between those leagues and teams being able, particularly to get into the, the very top league and hold their own. Yeah, like, I mean, I think Brendan's point on even if you trialled it for a year, because the split season wouldn't have even happened, only they were forced into it. That wouldn't have gotten any support because yeah. it wasn't. Get, it was never tried before, even though we're saying this will work. Mix and matching them doesn't work. Intercounty's gone too serious. They don't want to lose their players. And it's like, yeah, yeah, and you still have people clamouring for this. One season. God, that worked great. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I mean, you know, we, like, we, I mean, we, we don't like change. <laughs> don't like radical change. change. No, Jesus, not definitely not. Come here, another story before we finish up here is... Um, uh, Seamus O'Shea has been doing media he was doing some AIB media day and there's a little bit of irony here like he went on like I've done a, a live show with Seamus before I was up in Parnells and Seamus is a very very smart football brain he's a clever fella and he's a good talker so I have no doubt in this interview they spoke about you know the match the Tyrone match he gave loads of good thoughts on how this might be won and lost because I know how he thinks about the game and he's very good and stuff like this but he did make the point during the interview on how much attention his brother gets and he says it's probably a source of frustration to me to be honest because I feel regardless of what happens in a game Aidan always seems to be the headline for some reason there's obviously loads of brilliant footballers around the country who'll have good days and bad days or they'll play in different positions. It's just not the same source of conversation anywhere else. I struggle to understand why there's this obsession and how he plays, where he plays um, every day we go out. Every headline, every article is about the obsession about <laughs> his brother. So, like, I mean, he's outlining his annoyance, and that's what every... I, I think, uh, without blowing our own trumpet, Niall McIntyre and Sports Joe didn't go with that headline, but everybody, everywhere else did. Like, he has a point. There's a fascination with Aidan O'Shea. There is, um, and to be fair, a healthy we, one. Well, the only thing I would say is Aidan might be happy enough that it's still ten days out from an All Ireland final. So get it out of the way now, and let's let let the football chat to come in that interview. Let it all flow out next week at some stage. But there absolutely is like, and I, I, it's harsh on him. Do you know? He didn't have a good day at the last day. Do you know? He'd be the first person to, to admit that there, but. 
even whenever he does well in games or even whenever he puts himself out there by going back and full back or trying to do his bit for the team it never really seems to get that much appreciation there just seems to be everyone the smallest thing that he seems to do wrong or the smallest mistake is absolutely magnified Uh, and I I can see from if he's talking about a family perspective there how it could be so um, I suppose infuriating and frustrating for, for the family because He's he's up there to be shot at shot at continuously, and he like he's the captain at the end of the day, so he has to be a very positive influence within that group. You know whether that's younger boys coming through, um, or the link between what players are feeling and management. There has to be so much positive that he's bringing to the group, but no one really ever seems to give him that bit of credit for no. it. It's, it seems to be a very very negative narrative around him all the time. You can give James Horan credit for being a brilliant manager but never that never has a knock on effect on why he would pick Aidan O'Shea as his captain. Like I you know that kind of gets dismissed. It's all stemming Brendan that I can see from that interview that that his ex-managers Connolly and Holmes did in the Independent that time Ooh. after the players gave them the shove. They referenced Instagram followers, they referenced the TV show that Aidan wanted to go on even though Brendan Maher went on that same toughest trade show and capped Tipperary to, to an All-Ireland title. You know, Lee Shin went on it. He wasn't the only one that wanted to go on this show. It was in January or February. But this perception kind of stuck that his own managers were talking about Instagram and TV. And that's kind of been where people now latched on to that. And it's like Aidan's more interested in all that stuff. For example, I had a fella on Twitter today tell me, I was, t- I was tweeting about Seamus doing that interview and he replied back to me and said, sure, all that lad's inter- interested is in TV interviews. And I said to him, when, se- when was the last TV interview he did? And he sent me a, a screenshot from something he did with Marty Morrissey last year. And I said, if he's so mad into TV interviews, surely you can find me a more recent one than one a year ago. And then he just <laughs> went quiet. Do you know what I mean? There's Considering pers- he's the captain. Now, yeah. so, so like if he wants, if he wanted to put his head up for media, he can do it. Like. Easily. There's plenty of opportunities oh. there. Or the, the media day that they had two weeks ago, he's the captain. He wasn't even there because I guarantee you, he said, you know what, things didn't go well. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to train hard and I'm going to show everyone whenever an All-Ireland final comes around. And that's what you want from your captain. Yeah. So he, he's not media hungry or looking to put himself out there all the day. That's just the narrative that's been portrayed. What, what do you think of it, Brendan? Do you think it's coming from that? Yeah, that? I, uh, do you know what, see from what you interviews the managers there, there's been a bit of a spiral thing here where it's almost created a its own kind of vortex around O'Shea, and I, you know, we spoke of this way back, Billy. His sheer size attracts so much attention itself because people often see somebody that maybe knocks a player over, knocks a player. You no, know, is he is he bullying him there? There's almost that side of things. Look at that big lump, you know, and he is. He's an absolute monster of a man. I mean, when he came off the last day, I was laughing. The jersey, it looked like a vest. <laughs> it looked like something you see in Aussie rules. I mean, he attracts that attention, and because then he doesn't play necessarily inside or out, there's always so much chat. Where do we play O'Shea? What's the best place? He's captain. You know, how are we going to get the most out of him? So there's so much being channeled down him and it's almost spiralled itself really and there's there's been a lot of negativity about it. Of course then go back to, you know, players and sessions and that if you won, if you won, you you call it then. You can do whatever you want. That's why the drone boys were never called into question. Say we lost a, a, a lost a final, they iron and them lovely lads in our map. We went in the sauce saying you were absolutely castigated. So if you look at O'Shea coming up short in, in, in the biggest games of all Ireland, people then will look to who, who didn't perform. He's supposed to be their star man more often than not. So then there's always a bit of kickback that he hasn't done enough. And this is the whole issue with him. But I thought he was quite um, 
I suppose mature the last day coming off. He was captain, and and, and I like the boys as he, he came back on the pitch, sticking up for his players. Like even that drew so much uh, question marks, boy. And I thought as captain, the game was over. Fair play to him, going out sticking up uh, for his own lads, you know. So it is, it is a lot of nonsense. I do feel sorry for him on it, but hopefully he'll get his uh, he'll get his reward yet. Yeah, one thing that completely goes amiss, and it's too often you see people that say. Uh, he didn't score or he missed a simple chance or you know, he doesn't take on a shot or he doesn't want to shoot but I know from a conversation I had with Tom Harsons a number of years ago whenever he had picked up that injury that he said the single biggest difference in the Mayo psyche or the, the, how the Mayo players behaved was their willingness to work hard track runners and the honesty of effort on the field but that's not something that you can ever throw against Aidan O'Shea because for a big man right he mightn't have the mobility of a James McCarthy or whatever but he doesn't shirk responsibility in terms of his tackling or his willing to work, turn over a ball, give the ball to a man in a better position. He's not a scoring forward and he never was and he doesn't proclaim to be. But in terms of work rate and, you know, just an honesty of effort, that's something that you can't throw against him this yeah. past 10 that's what years. That's makes it more uh, difficult to understand because of what he does. On, you can say off the field... And uh, to be honest, off the field stuff's not that bloody flash, Harry. I did, did see uh, uh, some mobile phone repair ad he did before the feckin' a semi-final. I'm glad he did it before yeah. it and not after, because if he did that after, I'd say, where's this fella's head at? He's running around the beach in a, like David Hasselhoff, right? So now I, pro- I would have said no to that. I'm yeah. probably not buff enough to do it. I remember years ago when I was just breaking on the scene, I had indie hair and the, the star newspaper wanted me to pose in a leather jacket and a guitar. And I said, but I don't play the guitar. No, we just think you have that look. And I said no to that young enough because I went, played jeez, it. I know, yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, the reality is the stuff he does... <laughs> did always be there. But the, the, stuff, the, the stuff he does on the pitch... You can't ever criticise him being Flash Harry. He's the opposite of that. He's selfless. He's hardworking. And that's very clear for everyone to see. So don't get the joy people get. But he, gets, he, is, he never gets credit for that. Though. No. It's just like, gosh, that's expected. But whenever Mayo were losing All-Irelands in 04 and 06, that's what their downfall was. Now, you can still say they're not getting across the lane, but they've come up against the greatest team that's ever played the game. But that... That side of his game is top class and that's what filters through everybody else. So if he's the captain and that's what he's doing and that's the example he's setting, well, it's infectious then and, yeah. it, and it goes through the rest of the squad. So it is something that just gets completely glossed over because he's not scoring one four one five, you know, outrunning boys from one end of the field to the other. He, like, like Brandon says, he's a huge man, an absolute man mountain. So it's he's never going to be able to do that there because genetically it's not it's just not going to be in him yeah. um, but he does so much more positive um, which is obviously the reason why he, he's named as their captain yeah so we'll have to apologise to Seamus O'Shea for spending the last five minutes talk, <laughs> <laughs> talking about <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was a positive slant <laughs> maybe a more positive slant right lads we'll leave it there we'll come back with O'Shea O'Neill so delighted to say O'Shea O'Neill joins us on the show now how's it going O'Shea all good, Colin and yourself? All good, all good here. Come here, so we were talking on the show with Aaron and Brendan about how Ulster teams all support each other, you know, when they come out of Ulster. So can you confirm or deny that you were shouting for Tyrone on last Saturday? Uh, I'd probably, I'd probably deny that one, Colin. <laughs> um, you know, but in all seriousness, you probably have to really respect what the Tyrone lads did. Like, they went, went down there and no one... Or very few people give them any chance of even putting, giving Kerry a game, you know, and, and the performance that I put in, it was definitely, it was definitely impressive. 
But it, I'm sure it gives Armagh confidence, Monaghan confidence, Donegal, all, all the Ulster teams to see that you're so close to Monaghan. I'm sure you played that game in your head where you were so close to Monaghan, Monaghan so close to Tyrone, then Tyrone can beat Kerry. Yeah, definitely. And it shows probably that there's not a kick of there's not a kick of the ball between any team in Ireland at the minute, like going on on that form line. Um and like you say, we were really close to to Monaghan and then Monaghan ran Tyrone right to the wire uh, in Crow Park. But and even the league game that we played against Tyrone, like we missed the penalty uh just before the second water break and if we had a score that we were five points up, you know, so that was probably a big momentum turner in that game as well. So um but it's all ifs and buts. Yeah, exactly. I, I was thinking, looking at the game, there's like there's some similarities between Kerry and Armagh. Like you, you like to kick the ball, you like to kick in game, and you're maybe not as good. Well, maybe up until this, you're not as good at other teams at playing. You know those kind of stalemate games where you, you've got the twelve versus twelve um, in a in a kind of confined space. Yeah, I suppose that's something that would have been leveled at us, and definitely was in the past that we we struggled to break down a blanket defence. But the more that we've come up against it, and we've so it's something that we've worked really hard on and trained uh, really, really hard is our is how we're gonna break down those defenses. You know, uh, there is a there probably is a way of playing against them, and and I think that in the last couple of years we sort of seem to figure that out to a certain degree, and we're able to penetrate those blanket defenses that you do come up against. Although there are defenses in as a whole probably aren't as defensive as they have been uh, in the last couple of years you know you can definitely notice that there's a little bit more space there for forwards and you get your opportunities to get the ball kicked in a little bit more that, that that's the thing from, from me looking at it the opportunities to kick are there but teams are pressuring like you're not allowed to play around the outside of the defensive shield like you did maybe two or three years ago like teams are pressing and putting pressure on every man nearly that has the ball yeah, I think that comes from like most teams seeing that you're going to need 20, 20 points at least to to win the All Ireland. And if if a team has the ball on the outside of your of your defensive screen for for two and three minutes, like it's eating the clock and it's uh, it's taking up a lot of your time to get scores. You know, yeah. so they they want to, both teams want the ball and it's about how quickly you can win it back and then transition back up to field. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. Another one about that game I want to throw at you because you're obviously involved in it and you're analysing this stuff all the time and I'm very interested in these short kickouts and we know Kerry won every single one of their kickouts, didn't really win them, you know, there were a lot of them were uncontested and then they wasted a lot of energy running up the field, carrying it and because, you know, they were carrying it up the field without kicking it, they were, you know, facing those stalemates and I, I was just interested, did you do any analysis on, you know, a very low risk short kick out but what is the end result of that kick out you know what you face at the other end versus a more risky long one with the chance of getting a, a couple of one-on-ones off the long one yeah but I think I think the problem that Kerry saw at the weekend was if they had a kick long on top of Morn and Barry the throne had flooded back so they were going to you know on the break ball they were probably going to be outnumbered maybe four or five to one right does that make sense yeah. I think that and uh, so in that situation, like you're probably are better taking you are better taking your possession, um, the guaranteed hundred percent kick that is on. Um, although probably the thing that Kerry struggled with was then getting their second pass away. Their the their midfielders then weren't available for a kick pass, which I think could have could have really saved them a lot of energy. And you've seen at the end of the game, uh, both Foley and Tom Sullivan was it that both of them had cramps. Yeah. towards the end of the game because like, they'd ran so much ball 
and both of them had played really well defensively before that but then there was the on the ball stuff that I think got to them at the end I think I was reading the stat I was saying to the lads that Gavin White he got he cramped as well and he had 28 possessions and didn't kick it once I suppose when you go to the corner mm-hmm. back the secret is you have to kind of make up that ground with a kick a kick yeah or else you will you'll, you'll gas like and especially a lot of games you know your cornerbacks aren't used to carrying that ball uh, as much as maybe as much as a halfback or a midfielder, so it's a bit of a shock to the system for them as well. Right. How much thought? How much thought and and meetings and talk goes into all this, Oshin? Uh, hours and hours <laughs> and hours. <laughs> you don't sound enthusiastic when you. When you no, I am. I, I, no, I. No, I. It's it's probably one part of the game that I actually love is the video and the analyzing and seeing how you can do this better and do that better. You know. Um, but it, it is, it's time consuming, like it, it is. But I think any kind of inter- or the vast majority of inter-county footballers now, they, they know that that's part of the gig. Yeah. And if you don't like it, then you're probably not going to be um, able to perform. Your, team, your team's going to suffer and you're not going to be able to perform as well as you do. Like, I'm, I'm sure all those um, tactical meetings are very well run now and you have all that software where it's bang, bang. But, you know, you're hitting the area oh, and you're discussing. It's not when I was playing Oshin, we'd watch the whole match from start to finish and we wouldn't, we wouldn't even stop it. You know, it's moved on. No, oh, yeah. Even um, like video, when you go to training, like you're, there's probably an expectation. You already have watched the whole game back twice and then the management will pick out, management and the senior players will pick out like, clips so you might have 10 or 12 clips to go through in a night that like some of the clips could only be 10 seconds some of them could be a couple of minutes so right. usually you know your video sessions are done half an hour like which is good but then away from the group and that you, you there will be an expectation that you know you're watching your own video and you're making your own analysis and you're linking in with each other that way Right okay so we, we're obviously coming off two brilliant semi-finals and extra time but arguably the game of the championship was yourselves and Monaghan have you had a chance to analyse that or have you looked back at it? Yeah, I watched it. I've watched it. I've watched it a couple of times back now, um, and it doesn't get any easier. I don't think. Like I suppose there's elements that you would be proud of, though. Like I mean, to concede four goals, come back like you did. Like obviously, the four goals are a bit of a disaster, and how you didn't see out the game. But there's a lots of lots of lots of the middle part. I presume you'd be happy with. Yeah, like I suppose going into that game, we had lost um Blaine our keeper um the Wednesday night like we our last training session was the Wednesday night before the game so we only had we only had um maybe 20 minutes of game scenarios or game play that night to really work and to be fair Shea who came in did an outstanding job like his first senior appearance for our man he was brilliant um and we also lost Aiden Forker or he had been injured and yeah. and just wasn't fit to play the full game. So if you take out your goalkeeper and your full back yeah, from any team, you know they're gonna struggle. But I thought I think we adapted really well and the the most pleasing thing probably about that day was that we never panicked. Like in the past if that had happened to us we would have completely lost our heads and it could have ended up any score, you know, but we stuck to what we had talked about before the week and we what we knew we'll get a shy in that game and eventually it worked like and you could see the impact that we got off the bench a lot of younger fellas um, the likes of Tierney Kelly and Ross McQuillan Turbo they all came on and, and got scores and really lifted us and then um, but the last couple of minutes then was um, it was poor from us like we should have we really have seen that game out you know you, you call Ross McQuillan Turbo I presume Turbo is for his no Turbo Con- Turbo Connor Turbo oh right sorry I thought it was Turbo because he's so fast because <laughs> he's so fast yeah no but 
both of them are fast, man. Yeah, okay. Fair. Like, I mean, I suppose one thing about Armagh this year is that, like, anytime I read interviews from Armagh players, you're talking about consistency. And I remember it was a big kind of word coming out of the Galway camp maybe two or three years ago before they maybe took that step up, made an all earned semi-final. Just be consistent. And that's one thing you definitely did get uh, this year, Oshin. Like, between the league, like, playing, very, playing the top teams, um, you know, it's a shortened season, but there were consistent performances. Yeah, consistent performances and like that's something that we've struggled with for probably a, I'm there four or five years now and we, we have struggled to do that and then in that period is be consistent and be uh probably be reliable and and do the same things day in, day out. Um but that comes from a lot of hard work. Like we in the lock in lockdowns and that we had put in a lot of work individually, like on our own. And I think when we had that work, you could see the difference in our fitness levels. So one game wasn't taken as much out of us as it has in previous years. Sometimes uh, probably we just didn't get the opportunity to train as hard and get the work that the management would have wanted us to do done. Right. So this year, whenever the lockdown, the last couple of lockdowns, like we've, we worked really, really hard on our own. And, and I think that's done to us in the long run. And then I suppose the freshening up with the management team and the two Kierns. McKeever and Donkey coming in as well really helped us to like they brought something new and a freshness like uh, to the whole setup and uh, put real demands on us they were very demanding of us each day we went out and we had targets and goals to hit and we knew if we hit them goals and targets like that we wouldn't be far away in any game no matter who we were playing Right, okay. And like, what about your role then in the team? Like, you're predominantly midfield. You spent a bit of time in full forward, but I, I notice even you could, any of you pop up at full forward. It could be Jarlett Og, it could be yourself, Mernon's in there, you know, Grimley could be in there. Like, is that, you know, ghosting in there for a long ball? I presume, like, that's something you work on. Yeah, it is, yeah. And especially, it's been a big focus of Kieran, the Donkey, since he came in with us, is that we now, we always, we are always trying to rotate so that. It's not even rotate so that you get a score. It's rotate so you nearly get a break. You know the modern game. It, it's so it's so energy intensive that you're burning. You burn so much energy, and you might just need them two two or three minutes on the inside just to get your breath back. You know, um, where you don't have to go chasing chasing the full length of the field, and then and I think that's something that has worked really well for us, and especially with some of the players that we have. Like a lot of us are all comfortable playing anywhere from it up so it uh, it makes sense to do it you know yeah a lot of versatility in there talk, tell, talk to me about these few kind of uh, maybe 1970s 1980s bombs that you threw in against um, against Antrim uh, it was just something that we maybe had identified in, in video analysis that we thought we could get some joy out of but probably on the day we just didn't we like we were in either ourselves because we didn't we didn't do what we were told to do and didn't execute what we were told to do we we probably it probably went to our heads a little bit and we got obsessed then with hoofing the ball in like really aimlessly whereas you know that wasn't a plan we should have been working it a little bit closer and then trying to deliver a good quality ball you know um, and it was something that we were um, that we worked on pretty hard for the two weeks before the Monaghan game and then we did get a lot of joy from our direct ball into the Full forward line, that there. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot more control ball you were giving in. Um, that, but yeah. Rian's uh, like gives a crazy pass off the outside of his boot. He he can give a control ball nearly from his own forty five in there. Yeah, yeah, and like to be fair, we're probably lucky. We have a lot of good kickers with the ball, like um, who can who can put it on a sixpence, you know, and that's and that's important for the for the team and the way that we want to play, like. So, like we talked about Kerry there, that they're they were struggling. Like we, 
we want to have good kickers all over the field so that we can move the ball really quick through that transition. Yeah, and like I mean, that must have been very kind of pleasing against Monaghan in that you scored fourteen points and a half, predominantly kicking it and going. Yeah, this this actually works because a lot of time in Ulster football, that game plan doesn't always work. But I know from watching Monaghan, they don't play a full time sweeper. Darren Hughes tries to get back, and it, it's just basic logic that if you kick it, you'll get it down there before he he gets down there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and especially then. Um we were getting good joy off our long kickouts in the second half and that, so that made it easier just to you know get the ball up the field that little bit quicker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We know you come from a good pedigree anyways. Like that's well well documented. Your father Garrett, um, he played for our man loud and your your mother is Ushin McConville's um sister. Like I mean, you didn't lick it up off the ground as the, the saying goes, but I was interested in yourself and Rian going training when your father was playing with Cross and then he became the manager. And I can picture the two of you because I've seen it in Port Leash and Leash where the manager's, you know, sons are kicking around and then you end up playing with them or seeing them play. Yeah. You know, just kind of falling in love with it by going up to the field with your father. Yeah, like <laughs> like the the mother she used to be going mad at, at us that we weren't at home doing the homework. Um and the schoolwork whenever like that would be saying all right I'm going to train there and we'd be jumping out into the car like you know and she'd be going shouting out the door after us get back here get back here but yeah it's what we'd love to do when we were in no age and I think in cross there's not much much else that you can do like there's no soccer team there's no rugby team no hurling team there isn't a swimming pool or anything so <laughs> you know in, in cross you, you have you really have only one choice like you know unless you go into the dock or in Uri. so um, we you know, we loved we loved it and we always loved like all the older boys, you know, would always been really good to us and and you know, after training kicking the balls back out to them and all sure they were our heroes growing up and that's what we love to do. So it it just uh and now hopefully there's another generation coming in behind who are the exact same. Yeah, I'm sure the free takers loved you anyways. Yeah, yeah, they did you can ask Aaron there about uh about the amount of balls that kicked back to him over the years. <laughs> and you're happy to, you, usually that's a terrible job, but you're only delighted to do it. Oh, only delighted, yeah, sure. What else? Um, you know, that's what that's what we want. And then you maybe got your couple of shots at the end, at the end when they had all cleared off, you know, and you thought you, that was you happy for another couple of days. Yeah, it's interesting. What, what would happen in Cross McGann if you decided to start up a soccer team? Uh, there's one, there's like a an adult like pub team or like a uh, real local soccer team you know right and some of the boys do play um but a lot of the a lot of the young fellas now actually go into Newry and the dock and it's probably good they, it's probably good for them that they're getting to see other other sports and it's having their footwork and and all that like the more sport we can get any young person playing um is definitely is definitely beneficial for them as, as long as it's only beneficial to their Gaelic football career <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah speed their footwork up and then they come back and they're dancing around <laughs> all the defenders Camille, I was reading as well I think it was an interview with Rian who said that yourself and him would be very competitive and there was a stage across McGlen where you, you weren't allowed to mark each other yeah <laughs> probably because neither of us would defend I think that was the problem there <laughs> both of us just going one way would you be getting stuck into each other Ah yeah, even around the house there. Um, ah sure, you know yourself. Any 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 siblings like there's that little bit of a rivalry there. Um, but it's ah it's all in good nature too. Yeah yeah no true. And come here, t- 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 how good is Aaron? He's a minor now. Aaron yeah Aaron he played for the county minors this year. Um, and he's still minor again next year. So he's 
he's going all right. He probably has a bit of growing to do. Um, and he fell out, hopefully, in the next couple of years. But he has all the skills. It's just where he wants to put the hard work in to get to to get to the top level, you know. Right, OK. It's hard to believe he has some growing to do when you see the size of yourself and Rian. Yeah, well, we both probably didn't hit our stop growing until we were 18 or 19, so we were lucky, you know. Growing up, we were always tall, but we weren't overly tall now. And then we would have sp- spread it up quite late. Ah, OK. So hopefully he does the same. So there's three brothers, yourself, Rian and Aaron, and that's it? No, and then we have, uh, there's a fourth fella, Dara. He, play, he plays for cross as well. He's, He's only after turning 18 now, so hopefully in the next couple of years he'll be playing with the seniors and that as well. Jesus, right, very good. It'll be interesting to see see all four of you. Come here, before I let you go, who are you tipping for the final now, Mayo or, or Tyrone? Uh, Tyrone, I think. I think they just have the, the two-week break will suit them nicely and they'll just have that little bit of momentum behind them. I think Mayo's momentum might have been killed a little bit by the four... It's four weeks, isn't it? It's four, yeah. They will have played. Yeah, I think, I think two weeks is just nice for any team to get recovered in the first week and then and then the next weekend just go hard at it and I think I think Tyrone maybe might just have a little bit more off the bench like McShane uh, Cahill and Derek Hanavan uh, Mark Bradley they have some good options off the bench there. Yeah I think Stevie McDonald your own Stevie McDonald called Tyrone the mentality monsters we were mentioning on the show like I mean it's a good it's a good it's a good kind of uh, uh, way to describe them Ah yeah you have to hand it to them they definitely um they definitely went about their business uh, while at the weekend. Like, but it'd be interesting to see. Like, Mayo, Mayo were impre- very, very impressive in the second half against Dublin. But if they play, if Mayo come out like the first half against Dublin, I can't see Tyrone letting them back into the game like the way Dublin did. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It's definitely a fifty-fifty game. Um, I'm sure oh, yeah, most absolutely. people, yeah, would agree. Anyway, Oshin Kamir, I've taken up enough of your time. Thanks very much for taking the call. Cheers, Colin. Great stuff from Ushin there. Right, that's it for today. We'll be back next Thursday where we're going to start to build up to the all Ireland final. So we'll preview that uh, then. We'll talk to you all then. Good luck. But this little dink ball, the only one in a crowded area where it's a fist pass, the weight is taken over, hits the ground and it bounces into a fella's chest. Why do you not do many interviews? Oh, really? Yeah, what have you been asked to do, hopefully? Really? Yeah. Have you ever rang me? And they're roaring at me, I coffee, you free state bastard. <laughs> and next thing I hear, you have no fucking jurisdiction up here. <laughs> Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.